So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.J. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of Cash Flow to Freedom. This is a very important topic to talk about at this time in the economy where we're at. It is 2019, late summer, and the market is hot. And so we wanted to talk about, it's probably one of the most questions that I get, should I buy, should I not, is the market topping out, are we going into a recession, on and on and on, so we're going to talk about it. Now, first, we have answers, but they might not be the answers you expect, and the answer is not, are we going into a recession? Because that answer is yes. Now, the time frame is who knows? And that's really, really important. And we're going to talk about how you find deals, how you design a strategy that that is not important, so to speak, and kind of how you move forward. But as always, I got my trusted co-host, Rock Pilon here. How are you doing, man? Doing good. I think so, this will be a good topic. Uh, yeah, great topic. And you're seeing it out there in the market right now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I keep looking at small multifamily properties, and everything's blown out. Like, the property that I would have paid 154 is going for three three fifty. So, like, that just goes to show you. And they don't cash flow. They don't, I mean, they don't cash flow at the 150 price. <laughs> because you got these old owners who, who now it's their time to get out. And then you got outside money who's like, oh, wow, this is a great price. Because in my market, I can get, I, I'd have to pay 500000 So, we have, like, a huge income discrepancy with natives versus out-of-staters inflating the housing pricing and housing prices and the locals, obviously their incomes can't keep up or, and, and the influx of money doesn't, it doesn't merge right. We're having a huge problem with that. Like, you know, it's interesting because in the United States, not all mar markets have rebounded the same. I mean, you have, you have some markets in the Midwest that are still frankly depressed. Mm -hmm. And then you have other ones like Texas and Idaho and Washington state, Florida, you have Nashville, you have, you know, just these markets that hot isn't the right word they're blowing up yeah boise idaho is crazy they are building everywhere seattle crazy in scottsdale nashville scottsdale there's, there's arizona structures Phoenix. everywhere yeah and they are just going crazy so for a lot of these people they're saying i don't want to go in these markets that are going nowhere but i want to be in a market that has upside but to find deals it's you can't do it if you're talking if you're looking at cash flow right and it where are we are at in the market and why is that relevant and how to find deals or how should you be finding deals or not? You know, I, I think rock, you're exactly right. It is swap of money. That's happening. This is called in economics. You're talking about the velocity of money and that's how quickly money changes hands. Right. And capital is moving very, very quickly. Homes come on the market, they sell immediately. So the velocity of money is extremely high. Interest rates are low, access is abundant. This is the top of a market. And uh, credit contracts, right? So you know, just to kind of preference it here, let's give a little backdrop. We all know that markets go in cycle. They're short wave cycles and they're long wave cycles. The cycles are debt cycles. Normally speaking, the short wave cycle is contracted through interest rates by the Federal Reserve, they cool down or they heat up markets, right? These are normal business cycles. 
that happen on usually every five to 10 years. There you go. Recessions, not most people don't understand, but we need to go in recessions. In fact, the government puts us into recessions. They do it through rising of interest rates and cooling us off. Now you have long wave credit cycles. These are huge. They're like once in a lifetime kind of credit cycles, as we just saw in 2008. And as we saw in the Great Depression, this is when the government has nothing to do with it, can't control it. Credit is just overdone. There's so much debt, it implodes the system. And the government is scrambling just trying to save us. And it's a really bad, 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 scary, scary thing, as we all know. And we've seen. So we are talking more of short-term market cycles. I do not believe we're in a long-term credit cycle. I believe the fundamentals are much, much stronger than that. With that said, on the short-term business cycles, I don't ever know when are ups and downs. I don't plan on them, although my actions reflect as if we are. And yeah. I think that's the crux of the conversation, yeah. right? Yes, there's going to be a recession, right? I don't know when it is. Will my actions change? My actions will change based upon the opportunities, but it's in result of, not because of. Does that make sense? You're keeping your debt low or non-existent. You're saving your money. You're creating connections and, and, and getting prepared for opportunities. And whether it happens or not, it doesn't matter to you. It, it's just an increased opportunity or it's just... I'll just do more deals yeah. or I'll do less deals. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And I, I think that people go, well, are you buying? And I'm like, I'm always buying. Yeah, it's the price right. It's the price right, back, exactly. Yeah. So I'm always buying. And, uh, um, uh, you know, four or five years ago, we were buying a lot and we were re leveraging up a lot. Now, we're not. We have high cash flow. Um, but with that said, we still are. We're still doing deals. Well, you're improved, like right now, because the deals aren't there, you... One, you, you went into two facilities and you're rehauling them over, revamping them. You're going to increase the cash flow and keep your expenses the same. So you're kind of doing what you can in a market that is not offering you as much, right? Absolutely. So we're expanding our current business model, making it more efficient. We're building it out. Um, and our, our last deal, the uh, conversion of the Bankrupt Super Kmart, that was a perfect example because at the end of the day, the deal was there. So it was there, but it, it couldn't be accessed by normal means. So for us to end up with that asset, we just had to change the way that we did normal day. I couldn't just acquire, get the same results through a simple acquisition, right? Acquisition for most people right now, as we're seeing them, five caps, super expensive. You are going Open facilities, actual storage. Yeah, storage facilities. Frankly, even apartment buildings, multifamily, um, because- the amount of increase of supply that's coming onto most markets is astronomical, which means when you're underwriting, when you're trying to do d deals, you're all underwriting is projecting out future returns, right? So your debt, everything you do, you need to look at future returns, which ours are, we expect high. I expect a deal to be a great deal today, but it should be amazing in five years, yeah. right? I don't do deals that aren't good deals when I buy it. But hopefully we'll be amazed. That no, I don't. Risk if nothing changes, it's still awesome. So when we look at that and we do that and we're projecting it out, we're underwriting contraction. So I'm not saying oh rates are going to go up every single year. They're not. And I think in most multifamily housing and in most storage facilities, yes, long run, all of them, it's all going to go up. Rates are always going to go up. But if I'm trying to plan out the next six years and I'm developing a facility. I should not expect there to be a 3% increase year over year. Yep. There's so much supply coming on. Your concessions are going to go more. All of a sudden, you're going to be fighting for tenants and multifamily. I mean, I go to 
I don't care where any of the four states we're in. When I'm down in California, we're down looking at uh, building projects. We're everywhere from Indiana. We're looking at them in Texas. And the same thing's going on. People, like supply is coming to the market in massive ways. It's already come. It's coming in huge ways. That I don't know why people don't think that that's going to affect pricing, mm-hmm. that that's going to affect your revenues. It's going to affect demand. It is. But people are underwriting as if, they're going to be getting these huge returns and perfect. It's always funny to me what people put on P and L's, right? Yeah. You know, or it's known, it's, it's known that your performance just crap. Just I mean, crap. It's not even worth looking at it. Just crap. And you see these people building, and then you ask them, and you're just like, "Well, you're never going to even get close to hitting those numbers. Right. Like, I can't hit those, and I have existing facilities, and we can perform at levels that you can't, and we can't hit those." Right. And I think the, the a good point here is like, yeah, you, you're talking about the supply and the demand of, the, of of what's coming on and what's already existing, but then that that's one aspect, and then I think another aspect that you guys do really well is the manage the managing of what you currently have. A lot of people project those numbers, and they say, "Oh, yeah, this is what our facility will do," and it's a it's a ten million dollar facility or an eight million dollar facility but they don't manage it like it's an eight million dollar facility yeah and that's where they expect the market to do it and that's that's where your opportunity lies though because you like i just think about the boise project yeah the state was running it and they're like no this is the this is what it's worth and they told everyone that and you guys are like no that's not that might be worth it to you but you guys knew the value to you guys as when when we went in and bought it and did that that whole thing and i think in the market like this where it's so hot you need to either know that like you need to have that experience and understand how to come in and implement your management so that you can create the value or you need to look for opportunities to um, build the value and which which comes in with those conversion projects or those expansions you know what i'm saying building the value no you're you're exactly right because you have to you can't it's tangible and intangible yeah 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 yeah. you can't expect markets to take you up from here right most people do most people do and you're like the markets aren't going to help you out much after this they'll take you down with them they'll take you down exactly so how are you going to create value and that's what we look at so now although i say you know we have three deals that we're kind of we're looking at right now which we may end up doing all three of them two of them we're absolutely doing we're going under contract with one like this week and we're buying it basically in cash, just outright. And uh, l- let me explain why these deals make sense to us, even in this market. So kind of what Rock was saying, these deals, they have what I like to think of as a margin of safety. Any of you that listen to Warren Buffett understand what that means. He doesn't buy things unless they have a margin of safety, which that's everything I look at. And in today, people are buying things with not only mar- no margin of safety, they're bought for perfection, which is always a disaster. For me, I need a margin of safety. I need to say, even if I'm wrong, this needs to be okay. Even it, because I, I am wrong. And well, even, even if, if the way you guys look at it, it's even if I'm wrong, it needs to be great. It needs like, to be great. I, I, I've, I've watched you guys look at good deals, like deals that were like, let's do it. And you guys are like, no, it's not there. And like, cause you guys look for like what? 20% returns. Yeah. Cash on cash. Yeah. Which like, no, like when you, when I said that people listening to this were like, oh yeah, sure. AJ. But no, you guys literally get 20% returns. And sometimes, like, what's the, I mean, highest is like, I want to say. Oh, we've gotten, I mean, we're at 100%. Yeah, I was going to say 100%. Yeah. Because we've gotten more. And that's not a lie. Like, no. I, you bought that Middleton facility for $2 million, It's worth 12 Yeah. And it's, the, the, I mean, it's as home run as it can get. Yeah. The, when people ask, they're like, that doesn't make sense because the market doesn't go up like that. And we're like, yeah, well, once again, you guys do. I don't expect the market to make my business perform. Right. If the market needs to go up and that helps us push up rates, everything. But if I'm depending on that, 
at some day, the market's not going to help me. It's going to destroy me. Yeah. And that's where we're at right now. And that's how I'm, we're projecting forward. So we're looking at an asset that we're going to probably buy around $3 million, right? But I already see the delta between what it's doing and the market rate. It, it, it's at least double the cash flow. And so our projected at stabilization at basically today and what's going on, we're looking at a uh, 26% return. Yeah. And that's at our known rate. So I'm not, this is with assets in the area that are doing the exact same thing, exact same market that are ours that we own, that we know everything about. And that's conservative. And that's at the top of a market. So there's deals to be found. And that's right? no improvement, right? Or are you, are you factoring the improvement? Um, there will that? be just a little improvement to get it to be stabilized. Okay. But that's not expansion. expansion that's not that's building. I mean. Nothing yeah. like that. Because the thing, the, the factor that I want to bring up for, for you guys when you do this is like, and a lot of people might not realize it, is when you expand, your expenses don't expand. Because your management's already in place. Your marketing, everything's in place. You're just literally increasing how much money you can make. And go um, straight to the bottom line. Exactly. It's all profit. I mean, and it's, I mean, straight, it, it, you look at it and you go that we love the expansions. You get a 60,000 square foot facility. You make it a 130,000 square foot facility, all that extra square feet. Yeah. Once again, all expenses are being paid. So that's, that's just, just profit. And so we, that's a lot of what we've been doing right now is like, we're just going to add in key areas. We're going to revamp, rebuild, create more value, increase prices. Um, but we're not on acquisition sprees like we used to be. And the reason being is not because we think that there's a recession, because we know there is one, but because the underwriting and how we calculate our returns aren't going to get there. And if I'm not getting a 20%, at least IRR, one of the reasons that I really hate IRRs, and let me make this very clear. So your internal rate of return, most people say, oh, you're going to get an 18% IRR. And I'm like, awesome. What are you selling it at? We're going to sell it at a five cap at 8 million in five years. And I'm like, wow, geez, you and God just know the future. Congratulations. Like, how do you know that? Right. Yeah. That, that's just so fabricated. It's like, well, what happens if it's an eight cap and nobody wants to buy it at a five cap? Oh, well, then we get negative return. Explain the cap real quick. I know we've been yeah, saying yeah, it over yeah. and over, but explain that. Okay, so cap rates are, are a term used in commercial real estate on how things are sold or basically your percentage of return. So if I'm getting an eight cap, you should be able to buy that and get an 8% return on your money, right? That's, yeah. that's a simple way of looking at cap rates. And cap rates in general are bellwethers. So the lower the cap rates are, the tighter the markets are. So tighter the more the cash people flow. want it, tighter yeah. cash flow, more people think it's a really secure asset. So when in the last 10 years, cap rates have gone from, in some of our markets, 12 caps yep. to six caps. Yep. Well, that's all. I mean, that's just incredible to think about. But two, you also have to realize that cap rates fluctuate. Well, the 2% cap rate on, on your investment, this can literally be hundreds of thousands, if not millions, and total your entire profit. I mean, that that can be, you. if you go from a six cap to a nine cap, you may make nothing ever when you sell that. So to come up with these assumptions that in five years, so when I look at my internal rate of return, that's 10 years without selling it. I'm like, I want to know what, and that's why we view it more as a cash yeah. on cash, right? And we may have a refinancing period or something in there, but I just, I can't predict my returns like that because it doesn't make sense. I know there's more risk in five years of recession than there is today because there hasn't been a recession yet. 
So mm-hmm. it's to assume those things would be silly, I believe. Yeah, and I think I want to bring this up because you guys, when you're when we're talking about this, you guys have a really solid and sophisticated understanding of what happens when you buy something and what happens six months in and 12 months in. You guys have that all lined out. You know that you have the people in place to implement systems and you can basically turn, like you can create millions of dollars in value really quickly. People listening to this are like, I have no idea how to do that. I can't even forecast that. I have no idea. Like it's foreign. Like we could say it and you can understand it. But I think if you were just, I want to give some sort of like, breadcrumb into how do you build the metrics to understand that if I wanted to buy something, how would I know what I could do to it? So perfect example. I actually made a calculator for this. <laughs> I did not mean to swing that yeah. like ballpark no, that no, to you, no, but no, I'm, no. I was this actually is, curious. It's so it's a really good thing. And you know, I, I created, so the difference is a lot of people will create, or they have these calculators that show you what a cap rate equals, right? For me, I'm not nearly as concerned of what the cap rate equals as what it'll look like in six, five months. So we've built out, and for us personally, um, you guys heard our podcast with Sam Whitaker. If you haven't heard it, we go in-depth into underwriting specifically storage facility assets. My calculator is more universal, but it's a two-part. So we say you have X amount of number of units, you get your income from those units and you have vacancy at whatever and expenses. And that comes up with your regular cap rates, right? Well, then it has the value add side, which runs on the side of it and it compares the two things because then it looks at it and says, okay, is, is there a Delta here? Is there a difference between what you have now and what it will be in a year that you create? Not that the market does, right? This is important. Is there an absolute value there that is being missed for some reason what are you going to do to to uh, to get it how much does that cost to get it do you have an advantage in lowering expenses streamlining like what is it or are your expenses going to go up so a lot of people it's the exact opposite first of all revenues are not going to go up but expenses do and it may not be as rosy as a picture as i thought it was so i thought it was a 10 cap but actually there's five percent delinquencies or I thought there was, I'm sorry, not a 10 cap. I thought that there was a um, 10% vacancy, but there's 5% delinquencies, which means 5% of your tenants aren't even paying. So you actually have 15%. And you don't have a system in place to collect your delinquencies. To collect your delinquencies. And if you want one, then you have to pay for this 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 company. And that's another, like, yeah. So you, this allows me, and what I do is I use it as um, just kind of a guideline. I've given it to a few people, but you go in and then on the side of it, you put in those changes that you're going to actually make. And that's what I like to do. It's because it's that mental process you have to go through. Right. What do I have to do or what am I going to do? And as you go through and you check those lines, then it comes out and you get to see the comparison. So all of a sudden now I get to see what the operating incomes are, expenses, what that means into cap rates, what that means into everything from your, you know, how that, plays out. And really, this is what we do with our large, large calculators. And, and two, though, I, I can do this almost like by looking at, by it, looking now. at it now. Yeah. And I maybe not come down to the exact one number, but I, I have a pretty good idea. Yeah. And that's because our model is so proven that all I'm doing is when I look at somebody, an investment, I overlay our model and that immediately spits out the number. Yeah. Now, if you don't have that, 
this is the exercise you go through to create it. I didn't have it at one time. Right. I didn't know. So when I'm looking at opportunities in the market, especially when the market is really, really tight, it's really important for you to be able to identify your expenses and your incomes and identify the variables that change your revenue. So if you're dealing with an apartment building, right? And you say, well, I can buy this apartment building for 2 million, but I know I can put 500,000 into it. And that 500,000, which is gonna change carpets, which is gonna redo bathrooms, it's gonna have a perceived value of a $200 rent increase, right? Well, the first $100 rent increase will cover the $500,000 worth of debt that I have to put on. Then that second 100 will all be just pocketed yep. to me, which will then all of a sudden make my value increase at the same cap rate that I bought it at by a half a million. Yep. So even though you put a half a million into it, right, your total thing, it grew by more than that. You have a half a million more in equity than when you had when you purchased it, right? And that's what we're looking for. We're, value add. We're not looking at, um, yeah, value add. And it's, it too, it's important to know that when you're looking at the value add, a lot of times the value add, yeah, it may be the economy growing. Well, if that's it, if that's your value add, it's super passive, third-party management, the economy will grow. That just means it's all the more important how you buy it because that is your value add. Yep. Like if you're not buying a good deal, there is no value add or it's a long-term play as in, listen, this is 20 years later. Okay, well, you're right. All rates are going to be higher in 20 years. So just doesn't, if you don't ever care about ever making money until 20 years, right, then that's fine. But most people, that is absolutely not fine or okay. And they need to make good returns and they need to build it up. So you got to either buy right or you got to create it. And that's how we view it. When it was easy to buy right, we just bought a lot. Now we're creating it through expansions through turnarounds, value adds, conversions. So we still get it in this market. It's just we get it in a different way. And the you can go on to, to cashflowtofreedom.com. That's where the calculator is. You can go on there and check it out. I, I have a few. But I, I love those things because they take what exactly what you're talking about. It takes this guesswork and it makes it more tangible. It's, it's like that other, <laughs> I'm a, obviously a big nerd with calculators, but I'd spent years building out this massive investment calculator that I just loved. And it was a way that I could just see that because that was my question. Yeah. I didn't know. I had no idea. How do I get there? How would it work? How would it work? And would it get you to where you want to go? Exactly. Because, yeah, I remember we said the first, like one of the first times we met, I wanted to go somewhere. You showed me that the way I wanted to get there would not work. And I was like, oh, well. The year that I had been like focused on this one thing, I was like, oh, that's a waste of time. R figure out something else. And how many people... D they they never find they out. They never find out. That's my big... Like, I think about it sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh. I could still, five years later, be just, just like just Same churning thing. along. Thinking that I'm getting somewhere, not knowing what I don't know, and never having the opportunity to get there. Well, and two, then we get these, a lot of these weird things that like, as long as I'm persistent or as long as I work hard, it's going to work not true. out okay. That's not true at all. Yeah, I know. That's like, that's the biggest absorb, lie you could tell yourself. Yeah. You need to absorb information on how to get to your goal through, through whatever business model you're doing. And I think, dude, value add is true. Like storage, especially like we've, you, yeah. you've seen it, but through like any sort of business. Like Any. there's ways to improve your business through value add opportunities constantly. It, it's different for every business. Well, one of the best models that I've ever seen worked, me and you have talked about this a lot, is people that they go, so I, 
one of the most tried true ways that I've ever seen people be super successful is they niche down on something they know, like they go to college and they go to college over something very specific. They get in that job, right? And they work in an organization that teaches them those skills that are very specific. And then they say, I see a business out here that does what I'm doing. They don't do a good job of it. They buy the business yep. and then they do, and then they make it do a good job of what they already knew. And all of a sudden they're wealthy. Richard Ruback teaches acquisition entrepreneurship uh, through at Harvard's MBA program, and he has a book on that. It's just the Harvard Business Review, How to Buy a Small Business book, literally exactly what you said. And it's like one of the biggest things in Har- at Harvard, like through the MBA program, because most people, you get an MBA and you go work in finance or you finance or some other business thing. Yeah. But they said the one of the fastest growing things is people leaving and starting business or buying businesses. Buying businesses. Yeah. I, we, I love it. We, private I did equity. that, fin- yeah, yeah, I did that on equity. the brokerage side. I'm looking at doing it again today. Yeah. If I could, that's all I would do. It's so much easier after you, of course, have gained the skills. Yeah, and, and you knowledge. know you know what systems yeah. and stuff to implement. That's you don't need all... a degree either to do that. You can no. go in and do that as long as you have an understanding of the industry. Exactly. That's yeah. all we did in storage. I mean, when we were originally doing it through the brokerage side business, those of that are familiar with the story, is that... I just found that it was a very inefficient way because the returns weren't as well known. So I just simply took that model and said, we got to do this, but it's got to be in storage because I can project out much easier the returns. And just like you said, you can just buy it and just change, change, change. And that's all we do. And you keep refining. And we keep refining. And that's all we do on the storage side. Every time you do it, you get better and you get bigger and you grow on, you add your management company. When we started, it wasn't that good. And then when you understand things that well, too, you find the opportunity in the marketplaces. So when markets are tight, of course, we're not buying as many deals. But two, we're finding opportunities that you cannot buy. It doesn't even exist. You have to create them. You have to create them. And And two, these are people that call us and tell us. So if you're trying to get there, if you're trying to go on, you need to start doing things like knowing your numbers. One of my favorite pastimes, and I, I find this with all entrepreneurs, they love to hack business models. Mm-hmm. Oh, so what's that guy? How much is that pro- product selling? He's yeah. got, what, four staff in there? What is that over? Yeah, you try and run the yeah, Everybody's yeah. running their business We do that when we go to Chick-fil-A. You just try and figure <laughs> out how much, okay, how many customers do you get per hour? And you got like eight. Got your calculator yeah. out. You're just hacking it, right? Yeah. And I suggest everyone do that. All the time. It's a wonderful mental practice Mm -hmm. to understand the economics of business models, why people get customers, why they do good. And that allows you to see businesses that all of a sudden you're saying, well, if they would have just changed this and this, they could have increased their output, right? They could lower their expenses. Mm -hmm. They could increase the volume of customers that they can serve, whatever it is, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, they could. Why don't you buy it and do it? No, just thinking about this, like the biggest thing that self-storage operators could do to instantly improve their business, improve their income, like completely skyrocket their company. No, number one thing, I think, either audit their manager or replace their manager with someone they trust. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, almost every facility, you have to I, either, one, you, fi- you figure out they're stealing, you figure out they're not doing the things that they need to be doing, the delinquencies are way too high. Like, the, the common trend, and I'm not, like, like the manager's, like most managers are great. They, they do an awesome job. But I've noticed from competitors, like I'll even go and walk into storage facilities sometimes. And I'm like, man, man like that's, just... that's your, of all the things you could do. Yeah, it is so true. And this is true also with any business and uh, yeah, and, I, I, not yeah, even storage, 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 especially, but yeah, like, yeah, exactly. I mean, you think when about a retail. Oh man. Like is your, is your, are you saying hi to the customer when they walk in? Yeah. Ask them what they want. Give it to them. Like, 
Oh man, I go I go it, crazy right now well, thinking about it's, it. It's so yeah important and fundamental. That is is your bartender giving free drinks? Exactly. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but literally, no, I was yeah. thinking my buddy owns a bar, and um, my other friend started working for him, and he trusts his friend, and he realizes every single employee is giving out like multiple drinks a night. The guy's not making money, and you just think, audit your employees, like figure out what's going on, track it. You yeah. Know? And this is a great way. We and you know, we've talked about this about like tracking or, or cr- collecting data to project, right? And really that's what you're doing in tight markets. You really need to understand well and how to project it. And, and two, if you don't understand, that's fine. Get people that do around you, yep. right? So if you don't know, if you're like, I want to go into X, but I don't know, I do, that's fine. Pull people around, Figure out who start does. grabbing, yep. calculate, start grabbing, do it. But also too, when you do own it, if you're trying to get better or you want to develop a model, and I, and I say this all the time, document, document, document. If you're not documenting and if you're not track it, tracking, you're not creating policies, you're not creating procedures, you're losing money, you're not getting better, you can't focus on what to improve. It, it's just that is so essential. And, and make sure that what you're documenting is accurate. Yes. Right? Because if you start building a model on something that's not accurate, I have a, a, another friend of mine who sells online and he's f- panicking that his company's going under because he also has debt on his business and he didn't know his numbers right. So he figured out he wasn't making money on a bunch of his stuff. And like, that's just, it's one, it's, it's like, come on, man. Like that's not, it's an amateur thing to not know your numbers when you start out. But at the same time, like that's, that could be the end of you. Yeah. And so make sure that you're building your, your models and your numbers on stuff that you know is accurate. Have an accountant look it over, have a mentor look it over. Well, and, and two, a great way to look at this also is when you are, so if you're investing capital with other people, right? So if you're saying, okay, I'm going to get an operator that knows, I would start looking to see how much they know. I, I was talking to an operator. I asked him, he had a few facilities, what's your average revenue per square foot? Yeah. It's like, I don't know. And I'm like sitting here going, okay, well then, you know, what's X? I don't know. Well, what's X? I don't know. Simple things that as a business owner, you should be able to rattle yeah. off. And it and those gaping holes shows a fundamental crack in the foundation of you don't know what's going on in your company. And if you don't even understand what's actually going on, how can we at all have any confidence that you could fix coming problems or that you're even aware of them. So yeah. if you're trying to put money or even get a partner, if you're trying to get a partner in a business and you're looking at it saying, do you know what you're doing? Are you, do you know how and to, are you able to identify problems and fix them? These are really, really important and you need to track that data and ask them and have them hold to it. If you're investing in a multifamily project, I, you know, and we've had people that have brought some to our attention. I want to know everything. Yeah. Even though I'm not going to operate it and I don't want to know about it, I want them to tell me everything that they know. I want to point things out. I want to see how they answer it. I want to see if they know or are confident in what they're talking about. Yeah, and I think people will be like, well, I don't, I don't, like, it's, it's easy to say, I don't, I don't need to know everything. I don't want to know everything. I think you need to be dangerous enough in every aspect of the business. You don't need to be able to tactically do it all, but you need to be dangerous enough to look at something and be like, that's not right. Fix these things. We need to put a plan in place. And I, I just think about e-commerce when I think about this because I know a lot of people that don't understand their ads and how they work. And like, I'm not a pro Facebook advertiser, but I'm dangerous enough to look at it and tell my team to come in and fix these things and change these things because they're not operating the way that they should. 
And I think that you can model that off of people who are doing it successfully. And, and you're at huge danger if you can't of getting taken advantage right. of. And then you don't have the data. And lots of times like that, like marketing things, you, you don't you don't really have access to the data. And that's a scary position to be in. And we've always, that's why uh, we have our own operating companies. I, I wanted to see the data. We want to know what's happening so yeah. we can improve. Now, it's not that that's the only way to do it, but you need to at least be dangerous before you give people your money. Yep. And so finding opportunities now in this market cycle that we're in, it's data is really, really crucial because your underwriting has to be specific. You have to be aware that markets are probably not just going to take your investment and your revenues up just for the sake of doing it. In fact, it'll probably be not probably it will be opposite at some point. There'll be a recession and it'll drag those numbers down. What is your plan or what is the plan of people that you're investing with to hedge against that? How are you going to you know find that? Or the investments that you're looking at currently in today's market, where's your margin of safety? Where is it at? And if it's not there, you better have some pretty good identified reason and statistics to back up why you should be making that move. Or there's no reason because good, good deals, and this is important too, I was always in a rush to do deals. And I found that, you know what? Deals just always come. New businesses always come. Opportunities always always come. So it's okay. Just do the good, good deals and do the right deals. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it'll project yourself forward and be able to compound. Take this into consideration. Talk to, talk to your accountants, figure out your numbers and, and don't be afraid to get rid of a deal that you might've bought wrong. And you're like, Oh no, it'll like audit it seriously. Yeah. Cause yeah, that'll, that can come back to bite you. Check out our Instagram, AJ Osborne. You can go on there to see some of these deals we're talking about, especially as we roll them out over the next two months. And we can highlight what we're kind of doing. Also, uh, we highlight on there, and I know Ruck, Ruck highlights on a bunch of his stuff. I don't know. Is your personal one open? Or yeah. Is it not? yeah, it's yeah. just Ruck Pilon, R-O-C-P-I-L-O-N. Um, some of the businesses that um, we're starting up together and kind of what we're doing. And, you know, the great thing about me and Rock is we'll just tell you when we fail. So we'll say, well, that didn't work and tell you why. It's one of the fun parts about this. And, and I mean – in entrepreneurship investing is all about pivoting. It's about learning and pivoting as you go, reducing the risk so you can get the most out of it. We talked about that when we talked about debt, like the way to use debt appropriately and not so you can make mistakes so you can have opportunity. So yeah, check us out on Instagram and cashflow2freedom.com for the calculators. And we'll kind of show you some of the different things we're talking about in the podcast along the way. We hope you guys enjoy it. Please reach out, let us know what else you'd like to know on any of the projects. We're more than happy to talk about anything you guys ask us to. So hope you enjoyed it. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ron. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at cashflow with the number two freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.